Okay, can you guys hear me? Okay, we're on. So, hey, want to welcome Ryan back from China. So, yeah, I've been back for a couple days. I was going to try to figure out how to say welcome back in Chinese, and I thought, I just don't, yeah, that's not going to work. So, welcome back. Hope you had a great time. Uh, excited to hear about uh, what God did through you uh, during your time. So, was it eight weeks? Was it eight weeks? Wow, that went, that went by quick. Okay. Uh, so, heard from Mike this week. They're doing well. They are enjoying life. Uh, they're doing good, and hard to believe it's been um, almost three weeks for them. So they're about halfway through. Um, so time really does go quick. Give me just a second to get where I'm going. Okay, how you guys doing? Everybody doing good? Well, good. Somebody's awake. Okay, so uh, it's good to see you guys again. Uh, it's always great when we can gather together as a family and worship. So if you have not been here, um, we are in week three uh, of a four-week sermon series. It's loosely based on the one another passages in Scripture. And uh, so week one, we looked at uh, gospel humility And if you remember way back uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Philippians 2 and 3 through 8, and we said that the secret to gospel humility was making our attitude the same as Christ's attitude when he emptied himself and he came as a servant. And remember I gave you that definition from Tim Keller that it was emptying, that it was self-forgetfulness is what we're after. Okay, so it's not, uh, it's not just trying really hard to be humble, but it's uh, forgetting ourselves. And we do that as we put on the new man, as we're uh, putting off the flesh, and we're, we're putting on Christ. And then last week we talked about unity, and so we said that unity uh, was for the entire body of Christ, right? So just not our little expression of it, but the universal body of Christ. And so anybody that is a true believer in Jesus, we are united with. We're one body. We kind of said our baseline was the Apostles' Creed. So anybody that can affirm the Apostles' Creed, we'd be happy to call you a Christian and, and say that we're united to you. And there were a couple of benefits to unity. One was that as we grow together and we're unified, that we gain discernment and we gain the ability to uh, see deceitful schemes. And the scripture says that we looked at in Ephesians says that we won't be tossed around by the waves like little children. They think of these little kids that, you know, it's fun to them. You go to the wave pool, and they're just in it, and they're getting tossed around, and and it's fun. But that's also a picture of we don't want to be tossed around as Christians. And so we'll be able to discern those deceitful schemes. And we said that we needed that because there were all kinds of deceitful schemes that are seeking to pull us away from orthodoxy. Uh, And then the other benefit of unity was that it's a testament to the reality of Jesus Christ. So as, to the extent that we're unified as one body, we're proving to the world that Jesus is who he said he was, that he came in the flesh, and that, and that God loves him the same way that God loves the church. So that's where we've been. Um, and today, we're talking about love. 
And I've got to be honest, this was really, real. I really struggled with this this week. Uh, and there's several reasons for that. One was the construction going on out here. And so I kept getting distracted by, they were tearing up the sidewalk, and the guy with the backhoe would pick up these six-foot sections uh, and put them in the dump truck, and I was just fascinated by that, because it was just like, that is just, he's going to drop it. He's going to drop and he didn't. And uh, so part of it was my lack of self-discipline. Uh, is, is why it was difficult. The other was that there is just a lot in the scripture about love, uh, loving one another, uh, loving our neighbors, loving our enemies. There's just a lot. And so it was really, really difficult to narrow that down. What's important? What do we, what do we need to talk about? And then the third reason it was difficult is in studying through this, there's a lot of hard sayings about love in the Bible. And so I would come to a passage of scripture, uh, and I'd be like, oh, is that really what that means? Is that really what you said? And do I really have to say that on Sunday to people? And, and uh, so, that's, so it was difficult, all right? Uh, but it was also encouraging, okay? And it was encouraging because as you study through these, uh, there's some really fantastic promises that God gives. And, and we're going to see some of those, okay? And, and there's some really cool things that happen when we love each other. Uh, so I hope you see that uh, coming through. Okay, uh, before we get started, we're going to play a little game to liven things up. Okay, so I'm going to show you a couple of pictures, and I want you to tell me what they are, okay? Oops, sorry. Or maybe we're not going to play a little game. Oh, okay, somebody boarded it out. Hey, guys, i got to ask the question first. Damn me. Okay, what is this? What's it a picture of? And then, I don't know. All right, what is it? Police officers, okay. How, how do you know it's police officers? Okay, uniforms. All right, they're all wearing badges. Okay, they're all carrying guns. They're all happy and smiling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just picked this picture off the internet. I don't know what the story behind it is. Maybe they're all from the same town, or maybe they all graduated. I don't know what it is. Uh, okay, but so there's, some, there's something distinctive about these guys that immediately identifies them as police officers, right? So if you were in a crowd and you saw somebody dressed like that, you would know that's a police officer, okay? That's for you, Kent. All right, I, that was another struggle to put that picture in. Okay. Because I love you, I did it, right? So I was, I'm showing love to you, yeah, showing love to Kent by putting a picture of a Marine. Two Marines, not just one, two Marines. Okay, all right, so I gave it away. So what, okay, Marines, right? It's a drill sergeant and... Uh, and I didn't even know the Marine Corps did this, but this guy was the top graduate in basic training. I didn't know they gave awards for... <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought they let you be a Marine, and that was your reward for, for surviving boot camp. But anyway, this guy was the top graduate, and this is his drill sergeant. Okay? So again, there's something distinctive about these individuals that you could identify them. All right, so if you see the guy um, in the dress uniform, you know immediately that's a Marine. Okay? And I will admit, the Marines do have the best dress uniform of all the services. So, 
as hard as that was to say. Okay. All right. So, so what about Christians? What is there that identifies Christians? Okay. Do I have to wait for it to... Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, so how do we identify Christians? So are there external ways? Okay. So you have a, a Jesus... Wait a minute, what are we doing? Caleb, I'm just going to let you drive. I'm going to put this down. Let you, okay. All right. Um, so you have a Jesus fish or a, a WWJD bracelet or or you have a, you wear a cross. Okay. And I am by no means demeaning any of these. Okay. I have had a Jesus fish on a car uh, previously. I don't now uh, because sometimes I tend to drive in my flesh. And so I don't, I don't have one, okay? Uh, and if you come to our home, uh, you will see in our kitchen that there are crosses from all over the world that my, my wife collects. So we have all kinds of crosses. So I am in no way demeaning. But is having one of these, if you have a Jesus fish on your car or you're wearing a WWJD bracelet, does that necessarily mean you're a Christian? Not necessarily, right? Okay, uh, go ahead, next. What about language? Okay, you can't see the Christianese up there in the corner, okay? We have our own language, right? Like everybody does, uh, uh, you know, when, when we pray or, or when we talk about things. Uh, yeah, the, if you haven't seen the Tim Hawkins skit, The Hedge of Protection, okay, you need to see that. Just Google it. It's, it's pretty funny. Okay, but we have our own language. So if somebody speaks the language, does that necessarily mean that they're a believer, that they're a Christian? Okay, no, just means that they're that uh, they have learned the language. Okay, so so again, it's not proof positive. So so then that begs the question: Is there something that is proof positive that somebody's a believer? Okay, and I think there is because I spent a lot of time on a sermon. So can you go to the next? Okay. Okay, so uh, we're going to look at John thirteen thirty five real quick because Jesus says that that is one of the surefire ways that somebody knows that you're a true believer, okay, is your love for other Christians. All right, and just uh, a little context. This takes place, Jesus says he's at the Last Supper, and so he's washed the disciples' feet, and it's interesting, and this is a totally new sermon series maybe, but uh, so it's interesting that this takes place after he dismisses Judas Iscariot. And so he tells Judas, you know, remember Judas dips the bread in the bowl with him, and he says, go do what you're going to do, and go do it now. And then Judas leaves, and then that's when this occurs, when Jesus is going to give this new command. And he's going to say, uh, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By this, all people will know you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so there is something distinctive, just like the police officer's uniform or the Marine Corps uniform. There's something distinctive that marks the Christian, that people that are outside the family can look and say, those people are believers. All right? Okay, um, and I want to I 
quickly have a, a caveat and, and a caution. So this, um, when Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, that's an external test that somebody from the outside could look at and say these people are believers. It's not necessarily a test for each other. Okay, so we shouldn't have less than love for each other, but we sh- there also are doctrinal tests for somebody uh, as to whether they're actually part of the family or not. So you can't just depend, for those inside the family, you can't just depend on love. Okay, and then the second thing is that we do this imperfectly. All right, so, so if somebody from the outside were to say, well, you guys aren't really loving, okay, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're not a believer because we're all, we're all imperfect and we all need grace and so we all do this wrongly sometimes. Okay, can you go to the next slide? Okay. So just real quick, there are two words um, that are translated as love in the Greek. And one is phileo. It's warmth or affection. So it's a friendship type of love. Uh, You may recognize the root phile in uh, Philadelphia, right? The city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Uh, So it's a love that friends would have for each other. And you can see an example in 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians four nine, okay, about brotherly love and love. There is that word phileo, okay. You don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, okay. And the second instance of love is a different Greek word, but we're not going to get into all that. Okay, next please. Okay, and this the other one is agape or agapeo, and so probably everybody has heard of agape love. Um, uh, agape is the noun form, agapeo is the verb form. And this is a different type of love, so it's sacrificial, it's costly, it's unmerited. Uh, and by the way, I'm not a Greek scholar, so this all comes from Blue Letter Bible, or, or you can look at Strong's Lexicon. And so we live in a great time where you can do these word studies, uh, and you don't have to learn Greek although that would be really cool to do. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's not tied to the worth of the object that's being loved. Okay? All right. So, can you go back to John? Sorry. Go back. Okay, right there. Okay, all right. So, it's interesting that Jesus is going to say that this is a new command. All right? Because the command to love your neighbor as yourself had been around since Levitical times. If you look in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus is asked, um, which of these is the greatest commandment? And he says, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a reference back to Leviticus 19.18. Okay, so the, the command to love your neighbor had been around since Levitical times. So this is something brand new that God is giving. All right? and, and there's a couple of things that are new about it. One, it's not love to people external to the family, it's love to people inside the family. Okay, so this is love between believers. Not that we're off the hook, as we're going to see later. We're not off the hook to not to love our neighbor, to love our enemies, but this is a different love that we're supposed to have for each other. 
Um, and then Jesus is going to add a qualifier. And so he's going to say that you're supposed to love each other, but you're supposed to do it the way that I loved you. Right? Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. So we want to look at what kind of love it is that Jesus had uh, for his disciples that we're supposed to imitate. Excuse me. Okay, and the first is that it was unconditional, right? We, we all talk about that we're, we're sinners saved by grace, it's unmerited favor, we, we say those kinds of words. Okay, Jesus' love was unconditional. There's, there were no strings attached to it. Um, you know, Romans 5.8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? And Ephesians 2, I think, can you go 3? I think we have, okay, there we go. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, which is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And we mentioned this in each of the teachings that we've done, right? Because it's just, it's so an ama- such an amazing piece of Scripture. Is that uh, Paul says that um, we were by nature children under wrath. Okay, so and and in other places it's going to say we were without hope and without God in the world, completely hopeless, had no hope of salvation. Uh, we were under God's wrath, but God made us alive. Okay, so we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses, and God makes us alive. So it's completely unmerited. All right. And so that is the type of love that we're to have for each other, right? We're to love each other. I'm to love you whether you deserve it or not, whether you treat me well or not, whether you've done something uh, that is lovable or not. And the opposite is true, right? We're to have that type of love for each other. Um, And the the second thing about Christ's love is that it was costly love. Right? So you you think of Christ, uh, you think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and from the foundation of the world, the crucifixion was God's plan for redemption. So this wasn't plan B. It wasn't, wasn't, we've got to regroup and do this. God had always planned. And Jesus said in the Gospels, this is what I came for. This is what I came to do. And so he knew that. And, And the Gospels also say, that he set his face toward Jerusalem to go. So this, this, wasn't, this wasn't a mistake. But in the garden, Jesus was in such agony that he was sweating drops of blood. All right? So this was costly, costly love. All right? And it should be the same way with us. It should be costly love for us. It should cost us something to love each other, right? Because we're all sinners. We're all in need of grace. We all got to put up with each other. Okay? And so... Our love for each other should cost us something. All right. Okay, so we're talking about the kind of love that we should have for each other. And we're going we're gonna to flesh this out and look at some more practical aspects in a moment. I want to look at a couple more. 1 Peter 1.22 and 4.8. I don't think I have those on a slide. Maybe I don't. Okay. If, if I don't, that's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay, so 1 Peter 1, 22. 
This is what he says, having purified your souls by your, your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly. So we're supposed to have earnest love. And then in 4.8, um, no, that's the wrong scripture. Okay, maybe we'll keep moving. So, oh, yeah, 4 8. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And then he goes on to talk about hospitality. Okay, so when the scripture talks about we're to have this fervent, earnest love for each other, does that make anybody else uncomfortable? Is it just me? Okay, because it's a little weird, right? You know, fervent, earnest love for one another. Um, it's a little strange. And uh, one of the issues with translations is sometimes the Greek word doesn't really translate well. So the Greek word that's translated fervent or intense love, some translations say you have this intense love for each other, it's got the sense of stretching, and it's stretching something as far as it can possibly go. So it's like stretching, stretching, stretching out to the breaking point. Okay, so it's a love. Um, it's a love that doesn't give up. It's a love that it, it, it's not. When you hear the words fervent or intense, we tend to think of emotion, right? That's what. That's why it's uncomfortable for us. Uh, and maybe it's a guy thing that having that kind of love for somebody else is kind of weird. Uh, okay, but it's not necessarily an emotion, an emotional thing. It, it's a love that does not give up. It's a love that doesn't write people off. It's a love that keeps coming back. All right? Uh, I didn't put 1 Corinthians uh, 13 on here, uh, which is the big wedding verse, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, but it's that type of love. It's, it's a tenacious love that doesn't give up, whether it's returned or it's not returned. Okay? It's just, it keeps going. It keeps stretching and stretching. Okay, and then we should have genuine love for one another. Uh, I think it's Romans 12 on your study sheet. I don't have a study sheet in front of me, so. Um, but anyway, that says that we should have genuine love for one another. And I'm not going to get on a Facebook rant uh, like I usually do, but. Uh, I'm on Facebook, and so it's, it's got its purposes. Okay, but a genuine love can't be lived out digitally, right? Okay, a, a genuine love has to be lived out in person, together, over the dinner table, um, in each other's houses, okay, in here, uh, where, we're, where, we're, where we're, we're crammed into a short space in, in, the, in the foyer, Right? And we put up with each other, and, and we don't get we don't get upset. Okay, a genuine love has to be lived out together, and that has to be in person. All right. So as we walk with each other, as as we as we go through things together, that's how we prove the genuineness of our love. All right. Okay. So I, I want to look at quickly some way some practical ways. That I think, and this is not an all-exhaustive list, but some ways that this would work itself out. 
Right? One is uh, that this type of love would express itself as we serve one another in service to each other. Um, do I have that on the slide? What's the next slide? Or is that the last slide? No, that's the last slide. Okay, never mind, go back. Um, sorry, guys. But it should express itself in how we serve one another. Okay, so in John 13, uh, again, that's the, that's the Last Supper, and that's where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Okay? And don't panic. We're not going to start washing each other's feet. And we're not going to have... Uh, one, I've, I've seen some of those services where they actually wash people's feet. We're not going to do that, okay? Um, but the example and the point that Jesus was trying to make is that we should, we should take the lower place in serving each other, okay? And so the type of love that, that Jesus is talking about in John thirteen thirty five expresses itself when we take that lower place and we serve each other, all right? So there shouldn't be anything that we're not willing to do in service to each other. We shouldn't think that there's something that's beneath me or beneath you to do. Whatever that is, right? So if it's, if it's nursery help or if it's coffee help or if it's teaching help or, or whatever the body needs, there shouldn't be anything that we say, well, I can't do that because that's not... You know, we like to, we like to cloak it in, well, that's not my gift. Okay. But, but anybody can change a diaper, Right? Anybody uh, can be a Sunday school helper. Okay? So there's, there shouldn't be things that we look at and we say, yeah, I, I just can't do that. Um, we should honor one another. Uh, this is the passage from Romans. Romans 12.10. It says, outdo one another in honor. What would it look like if we had competitions to see who could honor each other the most? Yeah, it does. Who said that? It sounds weird, right? It does. Uh, what would it? What What would that look like? That we're we're just we're we want to love each other so much. We're going to outdo one another in honor, you know. And so you do something. Well, I, no, I'm going to I'm going to honor you more. No, I'm going to honor you more. Would we have fights about who's honoring each other? I don't know. Uh, you know, it would it would show itself in meeting physical needs. You look at the Book of Acts, right? And so they had all things in common. They were selling property, and so nobody had any needs, right? Meeting physical, each other's physical needs, all right? So how many of us, when you, when you need something done and you're not going to hire it out, and you're not going to call family, the church is the first place you think of to call somebody for help? Okay? It should be. Okay? So I'm going to caveat and say that I am not skilled labor. Okay? So I, I can carry things. I can hold things. I can, I can do all that stuff, right? So if, if you need somebody to hold something, I'm your guy. Uh, you need somebody to wire something, don't call me. You know, if you need me to pull wire, I'll pull wire or I'll hold it. But, uh, but I'm not skilled labor. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but the church should be the first place that we go to to meet physical needs. Right? Okay? If, if you need something, your church family should love you, and that should be the first place you go to to meet that need. All right, encouragement. 
Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. You know, we should be encouraging each other. Okay, We have people in this church that do all kinds of ministry that is external to this church. So we have people that serve in the prisons. Uh, we have people that serve in youth detention. We have people that serve in Bible studies. We have people that serve with safe families, with Doxazo. Uh, we have people that work with the rescue mission, people that rescue victims of sex trafficking. Okay, And those are all good things. And so what we should do as a body is we should look for ways to encourage each other in those good works. And I'll give you an example from our family. You guys know that we're involved with safe families. And so we've had little kids uh, rotate through our house. And you guys have provided for us, you've provided formula, you've provided diapers, you've provided clothes, somebody bought us a car seat. Okay? Because we're not paid to do this. And, and so some of you know that and you provide that stuff. All right? But find somebody that's in a ministry. How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you in what you're doing? Okay, that's an expression of love. One, that we're concerned for what that person is doing. And two, is in how, we, how can we help that person? Because sometimes it's exhausting to do ministry. Right? Does anybody ever get tired doing ministry? All right, our girls are involved in Doxazo, and they come home, and it's hard. It's good work. They're glad they do it. And some of you guys are involved in So you're dealing with, with you know, school-age kids, eight- and nine-year-olds that are dropping the F-bomb right and left and, and, and haven't eaten. Some of them come to uh, Avondale, and they sleep all day because their home is not safe. All right? And so it's a completely different world than my girls live in. They don't worry about uh, it not being safe, or they don't worry about not having enough food. They may not always like what we're having, but there's, there's plenty of food. Okay? And so part of our job around the dinner table is just to love on them and encourage them and say, you guys are doing good work. Right? But it's the same way no matter what ministry you're in. Right? If you go into the prisons, you see that. You're confronted with that darkness. So we ought to be encouraging one another in what we're doing. All right? Whether that's practical help or just, hey, uh, how can I pray for you? Or what's going on? Or maybe there's somebody you're ministering to. What's their name? Can I, can I pray for them and can I pray for you? All right? Let's be encouraging. Okay. And then finally, love, uh, love enough to confront. To confront about uh, sin. Okay, and this is really, 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 really hard. Okay, and it's messy, and it doesn't always turn out well. Okay, but the love that Jesus is talking about loves enough to confront. Okay, so that's the kind of love that we should have for each other. Um, but. When Jesus is talking about love, there's two other commands, and I don't want to neglect those either. And, and one is the command to love our neighbors as ourself. Okay? And so this is where the part, sometimes it gets hard. Um, we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so whether that's physically in your neighborhood or the people at work, um, I was talking to somebody this week, 
and that since I've transitioned, um, I don't associate with unbelievers. I mean, I'm, I'm either here or I'm with the church. So for me, I'm going to have to be really intentional about finding neighbors outside the church uh, to love and to, and to associate with. Okay? And it's difficult because, uh, at least in our neighborhood, physically where we live, you know, people come in, they pull into their uh, garage, and then you never see them. Right? And so it's difficult to, to have that love. So we've got to be intentional. All right? We've got to put ourselves in proximity with our neighbors, whether that's at work or, or where you live or right here. Okay? Uh, Amanda said, uh, National Night Out. I'll give you a plug for that. That's an opportunity for us to intentionally put ourselves in the midst of our neighbors here. All right? Okay, and so that one is not necessarily that difficult, right? Because most of our neighbors are pretty nice people or the people you work with, and, and we like them. Um, but Jesus didn't leave it there. Uh, he said we're to love our enemies, okay? And, and to be honest, this is where I balk, okay? This is where I'm like, okay, love the church, gotcha, love my neighbors, I can go there. Uh, love my enemies is kind of, that's sometimes a bridge too far. All right? And so, you know, I think of people like Richard Dawkins, uh, who has compared Christianity to, a, to a, uh, a mental disease, like schizophrenia or something, uh, who says that raising your children in the faith is the same as child abuse, who, who routinely mocks God uh, and, and makes no, no bones about his feelings for Christians. Uh, and so that is the type of person that Jesus says, I'm to love. Okay, in Matthew 5. And not only that, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, Jesus was always doubling down on things, right? So, so it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't just, you know, when he talked about marriage, uh, he, he upped the ante when he talked about marriage, okay? Uh, when he talked about love for our neighbor, he's, he's upping it. So don't just love your neighbor, love your enemy. And then do good to your enemy. And then uh, that if you don't, if you do this, then you're going to prove yourself sons of the Father, right? Because I make my reign shine on the just and the unjust. I love people that hate me, that are thumbing their nose at me. Okay? And so you, as my son, should do the same thing. As my child should do the same thing. Okay? And this is where it gets difficult. And this is where, um, yeah, where it's like, really? Do I have to? Yeah. Uh, but Jesus doesn't let us off the hook. Okay? So you ask yourself, uh, we have to love other Christians, we have to love our neighbor, and we have to love our enemies. So who's left? Who's left that we don't get to love? Huh? Yeah. All right? So love each other, love our, love our neighbors, and, and love our enemy. That doesn't leave anybody out. All right? And that's really uncomfortable. 
That's really, that's one of God's hard sayings. Okay? And I said before that I was challenged, but I was also encouraged. And one of the reasons I'm encouraged, and this may sound impossible to do, but it's not. Okay? And the reason I think it's not, um, can we go to that last slide? Because that's the scriptures I wanted. Okay. Uh, the reason it's not, it's not just for these two scriptures, uh, is that God, when God gives us commands, he, he intends for them to be obeyed. Okay? And so God just doesn't give us things and say, okay, well, good luck with that. You guys, you guys work that out and, and report back later. Or, or there's a test at the end where we're going to see how well you did or you didn't. When God gives us com- commands, he knows, listen, God knows what we are. God created us. He knows that we're flesh. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we uh, that we're, get tied up in all this stuff. And so when God gives us a command that he intends to be obeyed, right? And those three are commands. Love Love the church, love your neighbors, and love your enemies. Those are commands. We're to obey them. Then God's going to give us the ability to work those commands out. All right? And so that's my encouragement as, as, as we finish up and as we end, is that it's not... There's always this tension in Scripture between what we do and what God does. Right? Um, so as we are doing things... For those of us that are believers, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do those things. All right, We're not left to our own devices. This is not just white-knuckling and gutting it out and, and, and loving in our own strength. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, As we do this, the Holy Spirit in us works in us to make this possible. Because God means for us to obey these commands. Okay, and you can look. Uh, the second scripture there is from Second Peter. It says, "His divine power has granted us, granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness." Okay, so life and godliness. What does that leave out? It doesn't leave out anything. He's given us everything for life. He's given us everything for godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises. All right? And one of those promises is that God will enable us to obey the commands he's given. So that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature. And that's how we obey those commands. We are partakers of the divine nature because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Okay? And I think sometimes we skip, we skip over that um, right? And so the, the, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, in, in some sense, lives inside of us. Unlimited power, unlimited ability, right? Lives inside of us. And so we can do those things that seem impossible. We can do those things that are difficult and that are hard. Okay, so that's my encouragement. Uh, there are some study questions on um, the bottom of your study sheet, or there's some questions on the bottom of your study sheet. And those were adapted from a, a little book 
that Francis Schaeffer wrote, and it's called The Mark of a Christian. And I encourage you to, to go through those, and um, they're challenging. Uh, but again, I don't think that this is beyond our ability to do. Okay, let me pray first. Father, thank you. Um, thank you that we are partakers of the divine nature and that you give us um, unlimited grace, unlimited favor. Father, thank you that uh, you work in us to love each other. And Father, let us be um, let us be the kind of people that are marked by love. Love for each other, love for our neighbors, and even love for our enemies, dear God. Father, let us be the type of people um, let us love each other so well uh, and in such a way that people can look and say, those people over there are Christians because of the way they live and because of the way they love. And God, would you be glorified in our midst? Would you be honored as we come to you in song, as we worship you, dear God? Father, would you help us to make much of you? It's in your beautiful name we pray it. Amen.